Hello, I'm GB hurdler Andrew Pozzi. And I'm British sprinter Adam Jamili. And welcome back to our podcast, Jamili and Poz, brought to you by Eurosport. If you're new to this show, then this is an Olympics podcast unlike any other. As we count down to Tokyo 2020, we'll be joined by some very special guests. And we'll bring you the very latest on our preparations for Japan. So welcome to Jamili and Poz from Eurosport. So Adam, we've just had our last track meet before the Games. How mad is that? Starting to feel pretty real now. I know. It's next stop. Prep work's done. Like No more competitions, no more chances to try anything. It's do a couple of weeks of training and then you're going to be lining up on the start line ready to try and win those Olympic medals. So uh, yes, I'm very excited actually. <laughs> I'm really, really excited. Are you feeling ready? Yeah, mate. I'm I'm very, very, very excited. Like, I feel in really good shape. I feel like I'm in a really good place. I just got to go out there and execute a good race. And and I know if I do that, um, I can definitely try and get home with some medals. And, and you make the final first. Once you put yourself in the final, anything can happen. So I, I feel like I'm in a good place to do that. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, much the same. It's been, um, it's obviously been difficult, uh, preparing compared to, you know, the last couple of Olympics. Lots of new challenges, but it's gone really, really well. I've had some good consistency, particularly over like the last kind of 12, 18 months. You know, always you're going to have some interruptions, whether that be small injury things or, you know, little bits like that. But generally speaking, really happy. Um, and just looking forward to getting going now, really. You know, I'm glad that it's finally here. We've obviously waited not only four years, but for this this particular Olympics, five years. So, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to get out there. And what was Gateshead like, the last one before Tokyo? What, what, how was your race? How was the crowd? How was, how was all of that? Did you like it? Because obviously there's going to be no crowd in Tokyo. So it's the last time to enjoy it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I loved competing again uh, at Gateshead. As, as you know, it's always great to compete in the UK, um, particularly for a Diamond League, you know, a big international meeting. Good to have the fans there. There was obviously the Muller band going wild as well, kind of bringing the vibe and bringing the atmosphere. So, did you hear the chant they were singing for me? No, like, I, when I was I walking it. down what the hundred. They were, they were. So I was walking to the start line. And I was walking with all the other sprinters, and then someone just goes, "Oh, Adam, Jimmy!" No. Like, start screaming, yeah. and then they all start, they all start chanting it, and I'm just there, like, "Oh, I just want the ground to swallow me up." All the sprinters are like laughing at me, like looking like, <laughs> "What is going on?" Like. So there was a, it was, yeah, it was great vibes there. And uh, yeah, I'll take that sort of feeling sort of into Tokyo for sure. Yeah, but I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the chant that we've been, uh, Kat and I have been jealous of you for having. We, we have too many syllables in our name. That one doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> but for you, I mean, yeah, that's... Yeah, Andrew, pause. It yeah, doesn't, it doesn't really fit, no, does it? Dead. Absolutely <laughs> dead. So I've been... Uh, that's so funny. You know, jealous of, of that one for you for a while. So I'm glad that it came out to play. So obviously all eyes now are turning to Tokyo as we're so close for it all kicking off. But there's so much sport going on still. We've got the British and Irish Lions tour to South Africa. Are you a big rugby fan? Is it something that you had a little go at? Is it something that you watch in your spare time? Yeah, so I I can't say I'm a big rugby fan in sense. I always watch the international stuff. I always watch when England play and, and the Six Nations and, and the Lions tours and stuff like that. But I play, had to play it a lot in school with the school I was at. You You had to literally do rugby in the winter, cricket and athletics <laughs> in the summer. And they used to always just chuck me the ball and expect me just to bomb it down the wing and just like absolutely, I used to score so many, but I didn't really understand the rules. I First time I played a rugby game, I still didn't understand the rules. So I said to the coach, what do you want me to do? And he said, get, get the ball, see that little area in the in the end, put it in there. And that's, that's then we score points. So I was running. I didn't realise you had to get it as close to the centre post as possible. So I used to go right to the corner every time, <laughs> even if I was by myself and touch it. He was like, what are you doing? I said, you didn't tell me where to put it. So, um, so your kicker was always 
Yeah, he was like, what are you doing? Why are you making it so hard for me? I was like, I just, no one told me. So, oh, wow. um, but as obviously I played it for, for a few years, I got, I got better and better. And I did a little, um, did a little trial with uh, London Irish as well. Oh, yeah? yeah, it was conflicting with my uh, football when I was playing football at the time. So they told me very quickly, you're not doing that. So <laughs> what about yourself? Any rugby teams? Any uh, rugby experience? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as, as you know, I trained uh, and lived in Bath for six years, you know, when, yeah, when I was an athlete. Hub. Yeah, huge rugby hub, you know, and I, I was fortunate. I had a number of friends that, that played for Bath. I had a number of friends that worked for the club as well. So I ended up going, I didn't have a season ticket, but I was there like every single game on kind of, you know, tickets that friends organised for me. So yeah, when I was in Bath in particular, really big into it. It was hard not to be living there. Obviously, there's been a few challenges because of COVID um, going on in South Africa at the moment, but the Lions have got a few warm-up games under their belt already, haven't they? Yeah, the squad have had some some good game time together, which I think is always crucial, particularly when you're pulling together a squad that obviously don't play together very regularly. And South Africa are the current world champions as well, aren't they? So the three main tests are going to be really competitive, you know, so I think there's going to be such high-level rugby for everyone to enjoy. Yeah, we saw just how tough it was going to be in the last game against South Africa's A-team, which the Lions narrowly lost. Um, but as I've said before on the pod, the best learning comes from losses. So that isn't necessarily a bad thing before the main tour actually does start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many times in our career and obviously the phenomenal guests that we've already spoken to have just demonstrated time and again how important those moments are. You know, you learn a lot about yourself, you learn a lot about your team uh, and the environment that you're working in. So you know, without a doubt, hopefully we get to see those learnings come to play on the on the field now and see a really strong performance. But anyway, let's focus on our guest now, because just before he flew out to South Africa, we were able to catch up with Anthony Watson, winger for England, Bath and currently the British and Irish Lions. Yeah, Ant has had quite the year already. In the last 12 months, he's made his 50th appearance for England. He's been selected for the Lions and, and actually become a dad for the first time. Yeah, you know, and I've known him for quite a while now. He's a phenomenal athlete, you know, a great guy, really good professional. And I think we can learn so much and people are going to be so interested listening to his experience because he's been on the scene for an awfully long time now and has had so much success, but also some challenges. And as we know, he also does a lot of sprint training. So that's something that I can't wait to uh, to chat to him about. Yeah, I'm keen to hear more about that and how that actually came about. So uh, let's get stuck into it, shall we? This is our chat with Anthony Watson. And was the youngest ever starter at London Irish when he started out his career. I think that was at 19, but was uh, given the chance to correct me afterwards. Um, he's got 112 caps, 140 points for Bath, 51 caps, 110 points for England. And he was on the 2017 and recently selected 2021 Lions Tour. So yeah, thanks a lot for making time to uh, come and have a chat with us. We know that you're really busy. Absolutely no problem. How are you doing, lads? Doing good, mate. Thanks for uh, joining us. Some CV. Poz was reading out. Gee, I've done so much. That's, that's why my Wikipedia fact check over. Wik- Wikipedia. <laughs> I saw you pull some faces. Like, I've definitely got more points than that. <laughs> the Wikipedia, the no, Wikipedia no, no, stuff's no. done and we can just get straight into the actual... Uh... <laughs> the worst thing about all that was the fact that I've played double the amount of games for Bath and, and the tries aren't that far apart. So I don't <laughs> yeah. think the Bath, Bath fans will be too happy about that one. But um when I it. saw your points for England, I was I like double points per game. That's that's mental, right? Uh, it's I mean, yeah, it's okay. Johnny Mays has, has probably got a better try scoring record than I do. In fact, he does have a better try scoring record than I do. So for now, 
you know what I'm like, bro. I'd never talk my thing up like that, but um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, yeah, we just wanted to have a little bit of a chat. And one of the things uh, we wanted to start with was how you actually got into rugby. Yeah, so um, I started playing when I was pretty young, to be fair. I was sort of four or five um, when my old man first took me down to, to a rugby club. My older brother was taken down when he was sort of seven at the same time. Um, so it was kind of, I think, an excuse for my parents to get rid of two of us at the same time. But it was always going to be rugby in terms of the sport that we ended up playing on the weekends, you know, just for, for a laugh, really, because my old man loves it. He's always loved it. He played for Saracens. One of them typical Dons who says, yeah, I would have been X or Y unless my knee... Uh, <laughs> the knee, uh, the knee my knee had the same way. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's I can't them, believe you've just done guys. him so dirty. Yeah, no, I have to. When he says that his his uh, he was renowned for stripping the ball, or as he calls it, reefing, I just knew he was an absolute joker of a player. So, um, so yeah, he's definitely one of those guys. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I, he's definitely the reason that, that I got into it. Um, you know, I start, sort of started playing football when I was between the ages of like nine and 13 and I was taking that pretty seriously. But things just didn't come as, as naturally to me playing football as it did rugby. And like I said, the fact that my old man played and my older brother was doing real well, I kind of followed his path and, and my old man's path down, down rugby. And me always trying to one better and wherever I could. So if when he got in the England under 16 team, my goal was to be in the England under 16 team a year early. Um, and the same thing with 18s and 20s. And then I wanted to make my premiership debut when I was younger than he did and stuff like that. So I kind of always had that rivalry pushing me on from early. And yeah, I guess those two are the main reasons why I got involved in rugby. It's mad. And obviously you mentioned your brother Marcus there. He's obviously playing, uh, you know, in the premiership as well. You've obviously played against each other. Have you ever played with each other? I think it's just against each other, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we actually played... Uh, well, we were supposed to play together um, once when I was pretty young, when I was 17. We played in, in the A-League, which is like the reserve team. And we played, actually, it was full under Arsh away at Bath. And I remember he got subbed off for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, no way. I, I don't want to deep it, but that must have like brought up some kind of childhood like frustrations from him. <laughs> I, I don't know, but he always tells this story about, because uh, I used to get mad nervous before games when I was younger. And he said, tells this story about like, he, he looked at me, this was the first time I played in, in an A-League game. He looked at me as, as I'm coming on for him and he said something to me and he said, it just went, through one ear out the other and I looked like a ghost really? the lights were on but no one was it. home uh, yeah yeah one of those one of those <laughs> um, but yeah no it was it was a bit of a bad one coming on for him so like how do your parents split their time whose who's games do they go to there that's a good question like awkward moments where someone gets <laughs> someone gets forgotten and uh, you know and then at Christmas you just somebody brings it up after a couple of drinks <laughs> <laughs> no to be fair it's not so much it's not so much who they choose to watch it's more who wins uh, because that always gets brought up. And Marcus is doing me dirty. I think he's winning like three one or three two or something. Oh so, wow! Yeah, it's not it's not a good position for me to be in. And like my dad's got one of the pictures framed on the wall at home. And I remember this all week because it was like this was one of the first or second times that we played against each other. And he was starting and I was starting. And I remember thinking all week. I know he's going to have an opportunity to step me in. And if he steps me, like, I might as well sub, I might as well sub myself off because, like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to show my face in professional rugby ever again if he sidesteps me. 
And my dad's actually got a picture of him. Uh, luckily, I tackled him, but he's got a picture of him just about to sidestep me in the game at home. But surely so. you could catch him if he if he does run past you. You could do you back yourself in a in a little race over <laughs> over a little 30, 40 yards. I would love to talk talk rubbish about him, but over those kind of distances, he's probably got me. Okay, um, you reckon because of his height? Yeah, because oh, of his height. Because of his height. Yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll give him one and we'll was, take him down. Too big to sprint. I think yeah, his I acceleration think kind of... weren't great, though, was it? <laughs> you are, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he is rapid, to be fair. Um, so I'd probably back him. Runs in the family. Have you ever thought about replacing the picture of him, like, going sidestepping with the one of you just crunching him? <laughs> no, I need to get one of those first. <laughs> That's a good plan, actually. I'll try to find a picture of it. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. So uh, you started your journey into rugby and now obviously, well, this will be your second tour, which is unbelievable. Are you excited? Are you ready? How are you feeling for that? I don't know, bro. It's really hard for me to get excited about stuff when it hasn't happened yet. And especially in rugby, like you get too excited about something and you forget about you know a game next weekend. That's when you end up getting injured and then you don't get to do what you were so excited about. I don't really... You know, I know it's probably a cliche and you guys probably heard it a million times as well, but like, I don't really look that far ahead because like, it's happened to me so many times, but like, I've been like, ah, oh, I just need to get through this week and then, and then I'll, you know, then it's World Cup camp or something like that. And the next thing you know, it's taken from you. Um, so I just can't let myself get too excited about it. You know, if you sit down and think about it, you know, obviously I am definitely excited about it, but I just don't want to go into too much. You just got to focus on what's in front of you because that will impact what's to come more than you think no I, I love that I think like I'm the same you start worrying about something before you get there and then all of a sudden like your preparation's just just gone because you you know you're absent-minded and I remember we had a talk uh from Michael Johnson obviously uh Olympic 400 meter 200 meter champion world record holder and he was talking about when he was going into Atlanta and he said exactly that he was like it was literally just day by day like did I get the most out of today right move on to tomorrow and just keep that rolling then before you know it. You've obviously stacked up like loads of weeks of training really well, loads of months. And, um, you know, I think it's just, uh, it's a sign of experience as well. Like, have you always been like that? Or when you're early in your career and you got, you know, your first England call up or whatever it was, you know, was it always like that? I'm not sure. It's hard to think back to what it was like that back then. Um, I'd like no, to think that I was, but <laughs> I feel like I know, but in rugby terms, I'm, I'm middle-aged to old. But I mean, I don't know. I think, yeah, I probably did think a bit too far ahead when I was younger, but also when I was younger, I didn't have the niggles and stuff I that I have now or, you know, had to to pay so much attention to my body as I do now. And also not just your body, like mentally, you didn't, I didn't really understand uh, how much like mental fatigue you you could go into a game with and like what even that was. Like at the time, between probably the ages of like 17 and 22, 23, I was just out there like, having fun playing rugby uh, admittedly I was bricking myself before games but like it was it wasn't like a job to me it wasn't like I, I need to perform it was like things just work your body just works when when you're young in the sport like you can just literally train hard every day and go on the weekend run a race and then come back the next week and and it's fun and there's no stress there's no pressure and then as you do get older you realise, yeah, you're not spring chicken anymore. Certainly for myself. Hey, and, listen, uh, we need to cut this chat. Listen, we're all sounding old and bitter, you know. This, yeah. is, this isn't the angle. Yeah, right. Yeah. You start paying more attention to, to to things that you didn't pay attention to. So the, the recovery side of things and, and managing your body and like you said, the mental side of things, which I think young athletes don't really pay much attention to. They don't, they don't focus that much on their psychology and 
and how much that does play a massive part in in your sport performance and, and obviously that's something you're doing now which is admirable yeah do you remember when you guys were i don't know if it's the same with you guys because in athletics you guys obviously have to warm up for ages but <laughs> when i first started when i first started in the academy i remember i could literally go out and just sprint straight away no warm it up, takes nothing, me about a week sprint. now to prepare for like a flat out sprint <laughs> and you know what? it's funny you say that because obviously when i was at bath one of my training partners a girl called tasha danvers she was olympic bronze medalist in beijing and I used to live in Bristol at the time when I was at uni. And I'd drive over for like, we'd travel like an hour, maybe 45 minutes, something like that. And I'd normally get late because like I didn't like getting up early in the morning. And I'd just bounce in halfway through warm up and my coach would kind of let it go. I'd just be sprinting. And, and immediately like she would sit there, having been there for about an hour and a half, just looking so livid. And she's like, you know, just enjoy it now because I swear to God in a couple of years, like you're not going to be able to do that. And then you're going to hit me up and just be like, all right, I'm sorry. Yeah. They rinse it's me. It's nuts, isn't it? You always think that they're talking rubbish at that stage, but it always comes back to get you. 2011. Oh, completely. 2011 in Tallinn, I, when I, I had no <laughs> athletics experience at all. So I just turned up. I was like, yeah, just I was playing football at the time. I was at Dagenham and Redbridge. And European Juniors. Yeah, European Junior Championship. So quite, like, quite a big competition as a, as the junior athletes. Biggest thing you could sort of go to. And I turned up and I did my football warm-up and everyone's there warming up for an hour, getting therapy, getting this, doing this drill and that drill. And I literally, t- 10, minutes, 10 minutes before the call-up, I came out, I did two laps jog, some high knee drills, some like butt kicks, like a bit of static stretching and I was ready to go. <laughs> and everyone was no, taking... You were doing headers. Every- you were doing like one, touch the ground left hand, <laughs> jumping up, heading it. I was and everyone was rinsing me and I was just like what why is everyone taking this is my warm-up like okay you're taking an hour I'm taking 15 minutes I'm I'm chilled like I, I was in the stands so Adam you, you came second in the 100 meter final behind a championship record in first so like the standard was was legit it was really high and I was sat in the stands and like people didn't know Adam so well at that point and, and it really needed to die and everyone was like you know what do you reckon he's gonna do here like it's first chance or whatever and I was like, no, I think he's good for it. I think he's good for it. And I looked over and he was literally stretching like this, like on the marks. <laughs> and, then, and then he was doing the one, like the quad stretch. Where yeah, I was doing the, the quad stretch. stretch. He's literally stood like this. He's doing like this as they call out on your marks. And then I just turned, I was like, you know, actually, I'm so sure. <laughs> and you already think he's getting ready for PE? Honestly, that's I, the time. Honestly, it was mad. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this one techie's got a pair of spikes on. Uh, listen, I, I was trying <laughs> to, I was just mixing sports. Like I was just realising like I was a footballer and then now I was like, trying to make my way into track and field and, and sprinting. And I didn't realise how closely the two relate. And I think it works more the other way. I think a lot of athletes, um, this is something we obviously wanted to touch on with yourself, um, in other sports, they don't realise how much that pure speed and, and power and, and technique and and like the plyometric stuff will really help their own sport. And obviously that's something you've actually taken the initiative with and, and gone out of your way to, to make yourself better. So maybe let's let's jump into a little bit of that and find out a little bit about your sprinting career or uh, we're here to announce your your mm. new sprinting career <laughs> no chance, <laughs> Do you know no what? chance. I, we've, we've got your lane if you finish up the touring time i think there's a couple of days but we reckon we can get your lane at the muller anniversary games this year <laughs> that'd be good <laughs> you know we'll, we'll, we'll just slip you I'll, in i'll be blown out by 70 meters trust me impossible <laughs> fully Listen, impossible not, i'm not looking to get it. embarrassed like that <laughs> yeah. but in terms of speed like i mean to be honest with you at first when i was again I don't want to keep going back to when I was younger, but like even probably before I saw Jonas before the 2019 World Cup, I probably thought that speed training was like, mate, if you're fast, you're fast. Do you know what I mean? Like there's there's not much you can do about that one. Um, it's it's genetics. Like if you're good at sidestepping, changing direction, that's what you're good at. Can't really coach it. 
that's what I thought. After spending like, what was it? Probably three weeks before the World Cup camp started and then another week in the middle of it, working like close to one-to-one with Jonas. That's a sprint coach, Jonas Dodu. Man, I learned so much. It was ridiculous just around angles, around how to accelerate properly, around change of direction. And it's just, it's like crazy. Like I would, ne- I would never, I could never advocate something more than for people to go out and train one-to-one, not just speed, but like change of direction, athletic coaching in a one-to-one basis. Because, you know, especially when you get into team environments, I just feel like you can, you lose so much of the learning trying to, the coach does trying to teach that many people at once. So ha- having someone one-to-one means that not only do you get instant feedback, you also can practice it again straight away in front of that person and they can correct you. So that's what that's what I found was, was most useful, to be honest, was the fact that I had someone there one-to-one and also I had something that they could almost disprove my theory on and it just changed my entire outlook on it. Like, oh, now I'll, I'll spend time, like Jonas has got obviously the Speedworks group and, and there's a guy called Al, Al Murdoch in Bath and, you know, wherever I can in and amongst my training, I'll try and see him because one session with him speed wise is like it's actually invaluable like you'll never ever ever be able to replace that in a team of what sort of stuff did you get were you actually doing like what were you drilling or technically what sort of stuff were you practicing that you found really helped you most of it was the acceleration stuff to be honest with you just because of the fact obviously I was coming back from I was pretty early on the way back from uh, my Achilles rupture so I didn't have like great confidence sticking my left foot in the ground and like pushing through it but it was kind of like a, a psychological inhibition because it was actually pretty strong to accelerate through. So basically Jonas rerouted it type thing and, and made me do stuff that, that was making me push through my Achilles, but I wouldn't realise that I was pushing through my Achilles so that when I came back to accelerate, I was like, oh, it's actually right. And then it just goes from strength to strength like that. Also just like, I don't know, just little things. Like I always felt like, like try really hard, obviously, as anyone would think to do when you're sprinting like try really really hard <laughs> um, but it actually just throws all your limbs and, and stuff out of sync and and that type of rhythm and stuff like that you know it's probably underappreciated well it was for me anyway watching you guys you never I always think that you guys are trying as hard as you can but it's probably a bit of a balance in it um, and that's something that I had no idea about and that's something that I picked up pretty early on I think just like a little bit of background there for the people that don't know is obviously that like you've worked with a specialist sprint, co- uh, sprint coach now for what, like six, seven years, someone that's coached a number of sub 10 second sprinters. So, you know, it's legit. And um, obviously I think we've known each other for a little bit longer than that. And one of the things that's always impressed me, particularly as you're coming from a team sport where like it was makes sense that you just stick to your team and kind of, you know, just follow like, not the rules, but like follow whatever your team does. But I think one thing that always impressed me about you, Ant, is that, you're always looking for the best person in different kind of specialities to, you know, raise up your game and to improve, whether that be spring coaching with Jonas, um, whether that's getting like top therapy with James Davis, who uh, Adam knows as well. He's um, an osteopath of both of it. Well, all three of us have used a lot, you know, and I think that's something that's really admirable to constantly be trying to, you know, level up and obviously then go back to your team and, and offer more to them. Yeah. I mean, I think, you guys will be the exact same and are the exact same but I think at the end of the day like if you don't care enough to go find the best people for you then who is like you can't and this is not this sounds cynical but you can't trust everyone to always do what's best for you you just can't so if you're not going to have your best interests 
constantly. You can't rely on anyone else. And and that kind of hit home a bit more through obviously having an Achilles rupture and seeing the way that some people disappeared <laughs> um, and some people didn't really want to chat to you no more. Name names. That would be a real, real, real bad <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking now, if I texted you during that time, I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I, I think that's like something that. that we love to chat about, you know, injury and stuff, something that we've all experienced and it's a humbling process. And like I said, we've all got some, some different stories, but, you know, you mentioned an Achilles rupture there, obviously uh, a really sizable injury. You know, how did that come about? And then what did you learn from that process? Oh, mate, it was it was horrendous. How long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, we're on your schedule. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I had. I don't know if you guys have either of you have had Achilles tendonitis before, but mate, honestly, like I would, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst mm. enemy. Like it is the most Stabbing crippling. Pain. Oh, it's horrendous. Like I had, I'd had patella tendinopathy before in my in one of my knees. I can't remember. And then I got rid of that, and then I started getting Achilles tendonitis, and I had that for probably like three years. I actually like played that 2017 New Zealand tour and it was so bad by the end of the tour that in the third test, like I was getting injected at half time, not into my Achilles, but like painting really? into my, into my ass because it was killing me so much, bro. People and just then, don't see that, do they? No, no. You know, what you're willing um, to put yourself through to, to be on the pitch. It's, it's virtually impossible because, you know, like an injury like that, they say that there's no, there's no increased chance of you, of you tearing it. And like, once someone in the medical profession tells you that you're kind of like, uh, okay, well, I've got this massive opportunity in front of me now. I'm not going to say no to it because these guys are telling me that it's, it's not going to get any worse, but the pain got worse. And I just accepted that it was just pain. And then eventually after that tour, I said to myself, right, I'm going to get this fixed now. hundred percent. Like I have to just take my time with it, whatever, whatever. And then, of course, I go back into preseason and the other fullback at Bath gets injured. Tom Homo is a good friend of mine. And they're like, right, well, we need you first game. And I was like, well, obviously I'm going to play. Like, I'm not going to let the team down. In retrospect, I shouldn't have, 100%. But, but, but it like, shouldn't be on you, though, should it? Like, it's so much pressure for an athlete to take and to make that decision, especially when you've got the medical professionals. And I kind of use this a bit flippantly, like experts, you know, who you're supposed to trust telling you, no, you can do it. But when it's your career, I mean, this is where it's easier for me and Adam because we're in an individual sport. Like, we can make those calls. For you, I imagine it must be so much tougher when, like, you're almost in a room of, like, 20, 30 people, you know, the team, the staff and whatever, who are just like, listen, you know, you've been told you're fine. Like, what's the problem? Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. It's, it is very tough. And I'm, I'm still pretty rubbish at it now, if I'm honest. Like, I still put myself out there in games where, Probably shouldn't, and I try and get the balance a bit better, but I'm, I'm still not not great at it because I just feel like I'm letting my team down, and I've invested so much energy and time into that team that I feel like I can deal with a little bit of pain and, and stuff like that. It's just if it gets if it turns into something worse, then I, I'll end up kicking myself, which I have done numerous times. But yeah, I mean, in terms of what happened after that, yeah, the other fullback got injured. I rushed in to play that game, and then season just was on from there you know like September through till um the November tests and then it was in the Six Nations which is like typically the hardest eight weeks of the year for us we were this particular Six Nations we were underperforming I think we came fifth so like we just ended up getting flogged pretty badly throughout that um and not undeservingly like we were playing badly so you know it was just kind of what we had to do um there was a lot of running in those those eight weeks and 
again, I probably should have flagged the fact that my Achilles was a lot worse than I was letting on. But it was pretty funny, like literally just before the last game of that Six Nations, I remember thinking in my head, oh, my Achilles actually feels really good today. Like I'm getting no pain whatsoever. And I was like, uh-oh. And anyway, I just went to run. Just felt like someone had just whacked me in the back of the leg. And I'd spoken to so many people in the past who had tendonitis that they said eventually it ruptured and it felt like this. So as soon as it happened, I was like, yes, yeah, it's, it's gone. Like, oh, you knew straight 100%. away? Yeah, 100%. Wow. Um, I was just hoping that in that, I was hoping in that moment that like less than, I don't know, 60% or 70% of it had, had gone. And that would have given me a chance at like reducing the time out because there was a, a summer tour to South Africa, I think, after that. So I wanted to try try and make that if I could. But yeah, it was it was fully gone. There was no fully chance. ruptured, uh, clean off. That, like that feeling. Wow, it's like it's so sobering, isn't it? And obviously, like you've had that. I remember I had with with a hamstring in particular. And oh, I had yeah. that when I um, had a complete uh, break of my navicular bone in my foot, and I literally came off a hurdle, touched down, and I just felt it like explode. And like, it's, it's mad, isn't it? Just that moment when you, like, you know, everyone's kind of like looking at you like, what's going on? And you just know that there's, there's something big there, you know? It's trouble. Yeah. It must be yeah. harder for you in a yeah. team sport as well, because, because you're playing every week, people see you on the pitch and they expect you to give it your all and they expect you to, to be healthy and fit. And at least with myself and Posse individually, we're not racing every week. Like we're racing in the summer, but when you're playing every week, and you've got fans looking at you and, and shouting at you and your teammates. And people expect you to be healthy and be at your peak performance. And, and you're you're managing something like that with an Achilles injury. And then, then it gets to a stage where it ruptures. Like that's, that is really something that needs to change in the system, clearly, because that is, that is absolutely brutal. That is, so, what happened, so what happened after that? Did you just go straight into like surgery, get that sorted and then... How long was the rehab process for for the uh, for the Achilles? Because that's that's a serious. <laughs> the rehab process was just as much of a mess as the flipping. Oh really? Oh really? Man- management before it, yeah. And that one, I will take. I promise we'll get to like something nicer. Yeah. Soon. We'll- <laughs> like we we just put like a timer on this for like a couple of minutes. Just I hear you. Um, I will take ownership for this one. Like uh, I was coming back from obviously. The first rupture, and I was like, okay, it's starting to feel better. Whatever, I did all of my time in the boot in the cast, was back to walking around again. And then I went to do this uh, NFL interview or shoot thing with a guy called Leonard Fournette, who's like yeah, an yeah. unbelievable player. And I was like, you know, I've done quite a bit of stuff with the NFL and I love the sport. So I was like, of course I'll go. Anyway, I didn't end up doing anything that would like have put me at unnecessary risk, but I should have never been there in the first place if I was really concentrating on my career. But I went and I literally took a step to catch a ball and bang, no. Achilles gone again. At this point, I was like, oh my, mate, I literally got in the taxi from the appearance. I Obviously, I didn't finish it. I just flipped into all my Achilles again. <laughs> got in a taxi straight to James and saw James yeah. at his hotel. And I said, bro, just do, I can't remember what the test is called. It's not the Thomas test. Thompson, Thompson test, test like hips, it? yeah it's called the top I think it's the Thompson test where they squeeze the, the top of your calf and if your foot points into dorsiflexion yeah. then <sighs> then you know your Achilles is all right if it doesn't move you're dust and I was like bro James James just do the test and he did it he was like and he didn't say anything I was like oh f- mate and at that point like boy for the next 10 days two and a half weeks I was like in a dark dark yeah. spot but but to get onto the happy stuff <laughs> it's honest honestly like the best thing that could have ever happened to me in my career was to go through those both those achilles ruptures because of the amount of stuff that i learned from it 
um, about, like we said, about my about myself, about people around you, about what you can get through. So I think that with everything, like you know, all the stuff that that we go through, there's always positives to to whatever. It's just if you choose to to try and figure it out or not, or whether you just dwell on the fact that you know stuff's happened. So I'm so it sounds really messed up, but I'm so grateful that that whole thing happened because without it. You know, I probably you learn so I could much. have dwindled away. I could be all right, but you learn so much yeah. about I yourself. I couldn't agree more. It's it's just people. I think unless you've been in that situation, you just can't understand. I mean, I don't. I remember you going through a similar thing. Was it like 2017? Yeah. Or even before that, it was after, after the back of 2015. Was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, a lot of injuries. You just it's flavor of the month, and that's what I just learned. And like I said, going through those injuries, you learn so much about yourself and. And the actual people around you. And that's why for me, I think I could count the close friends that I have that I really do share and open up with on one or two hands. Like you learn, you learn to get rid of all the noise and, and there's always new people coming into the sport and, and people are so quick to write you off as soon as you get injured. As soon as you, they doesn't matter if you, the year before you, you make the Olympic final, just miss out on a medal. The next year you're, you're injured, you're not running. People are like, oh, he's done. He should retire. And that's they just that, replace you, don't they? They replace you so just quick. And, but then, but then you you surround yourself with good people. Like myself and Posse have always been really close, and and there's probably a handful of us on the on the athletics team that we we're in a group and we we see each other and things are like we never change, and and that's just part and parcel of the sport. I remember David David Oliver, who's a it was an American hurdler. I think he won Moscow, didn't he, Pos? He came, yeah, he yeah, said we're, to we're me, I, he said to me, I remember he he was, oh, you got injured. I was like, yeah, I was pretty down and depressed. And he went, oh, it's not a pity party. I said, what do you mean? This Literally, that's the American attitude. He said, oh, it's not. He said to me, it's, there's not a pity party. There's going to be loads more people trying to get into your spot. If you feel sorry for yourself, then no one else is going to. Like, Because there's always sport moves on. So you've got to now work extra hard on yourself and accept it. But then don't feel sorry for yourself. Work extra hard to make sure you get back. And, and for him, that was just his attitude. And I reckon the more the American attitude, because there's so many... There's so many people like you. You said you like the NFL. You've seen the the turnover of athletes that they've got in in that is just it's just mental. It's just mental, really. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that story about one of the NFL players who ruptured his Achilles doing his own off season workout and then they just cancelled his contract? No way, mate. I saw that. I haven't he's seen that. that. Be nuts, for his team. Oh, it's just like that is brutal it's just a business. Before it happens to you, you go, yeah, you know, but I can understand. Like they need to feel when it happens to you, it's just different. You know, like loyalty can be can be passing, but I think for me, like as, as you said, we're making it sound a bit negative. Like the people that do stick around, it's just like okay, this is you know, it's like a different kind of level of support that then you take with you for like the rest of your career. How do you even approach tackling? So when you play, when you're playing, and there's a there's a big guy with his quad that's just like the length of your torso how do you even approach like what, what do you think do you think this is going to hurt or do you think right I've, do you back yourself like what's going through your mind when you're when you're there because obviously you're Honestly, a fullback so you've got to make you're the last <laughs> you're sort of the last resort first two things first thing I think is I hope this guy passes <laughs> secondly <laughs> up, secondly up, uh, my next option is is close your eyes and hope for the best because sometimes <laughs> you just know you're going to get finished <laughs> you're going to get it done a few times but it's just it's the way it is <laughs> just hang on and pray yeah have to oh, I think of anything who's, who's the one person that you've played against that like you've had to routinely maybe be in a position to tackle that you just don't you just don't want it like you've just been stood there thinking I, I don't fancy this game has, has that ever happened 
Mate, yeah, there's there's two people in professional rugby that I've hit and been like, bro, this guy is not made from flesh. Like, guy's made <laughs> yeah. from chunks, some kind of like granite. Luckily, one of them plays plays on my team, a bloke called Samessa Rockadaguni. Um, oh yeah, he's actually in the, he's in the army. Yeah, but he plays on our team. So in training, I've had to tackle him a couple of times or try and tackle him. But the worst thing about him is. He can sidestep you, so you can leave. He can make you look like an idiot in about fifteen different ways. He can run around you, <laughs> he can sidestep you, or he, or he can run over you. It just depends what mood he's in. So he's definitely one. But then another guy, another Fijian guy, actually for Bristol called Semi Randrada. Normally, you tackle someone and it doesn't hurt. You just get up. I must have tackled him two or three times. Every single time I got up, I was like, "Oh my god, again, again!" It was just, bro, it was different. Um, you're as a team though. So do you ever like? Obviously, you're. I guess as a as a club and a team, you're playing. You're you're a very tight knit unit. Do you ever like? Does one of the bigger like forwards come over and say, "Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll back you for that one. Like, I'll make sure you we get we get some help. Or like, we we need to put two people on him. Like, are you a tight knit unit like that where you can back each other if someone can see someone is struggling, or is it just each man for themselves? It's, I wouldn't say it's each man for themselves. Like, we're not trying to leave each yeah. other. <laughs> that's, hey, that's, well, you, deal with that one. you deal with that one. I'll, I'll, uh... When they see like someone just charging at hand like that, they're already looking at the subs bench, just like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I might need someone. He's got to go. He's got to go. <laughs> Get warmed up. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll never sub in for a forward. And that's not because I don't love those guys and appreciate what they do, but there's just no way I can physically deal with, with that or mentally. When we're training, I'll look over to them on a Tuesday and we'll literally be, the backs will be kicking back and forth. Legit, just standing there kicking. Um, look over to the forwards and they've got like half their strapping is on top of their heads. <laughs> they're cut, bleeding. Everyone's toes are getting stood on. And I'm just like, bro. Not for me. We don't get paid enough to not do not that. Stuff. <laughs> no, <I'm not> happening. <laughs> just a normal There's Tuesday. No yeah, impossible, mate. No way. That is mental. <laughs> So what about when you go for like the Lions, like obviously the tour in 2017 and you're you're not just with your own teammates anymore. You're playing against, you're now teammates of people that you've play, been playing against all season. What's the sort of dynamics and vibes on, on those sorts of trips and those camps and, and how do you sort of mesh with each other and how does it work? Because I think we were talking, myself and Posse, about the football team and they said obviously the Manchester guys only mix with the Manchester ones and the Liverpool guys only mix with the Liverpool guys. So how does it work with you? Oh yeah, rugby is completely different, mate. In 2017 in particular, it was just like within probably I'd say three or four days. As soon as everyone's had a few drinks once together, it's like everyone's best friends. Like yeah. I promise you it's like it's nuts. I'm and, pretty sure that's how we became group. friends. <laughs> that's usually the root of most people's <laughs> friendships, isn't it? <laughs> so, you know, it's, oh, like... <laughs> it's it's a very weird dynamic. Like I couldn't you can't really explain it properly because it is four teams coming into one and like for, I can't do the maths quick enough, but for like three years and 11 months of the however long, um, you hate those guys or you're always trying to smoke them or the majority of the ones that aren't on your team. So you then come onto a team with them and you're expected to be like, forget everything that's happened in the past or whatever. And it is legit just like that. Has there ever been any problems that you've seen? Or has there ever been Never. tension? Like, you know that there are two guys that have had a bit of a dust up, you know, for their Never. for their countries, no? No, never, ever seen That it. must and be unique. Yeah, it is. But I think rugby is just is a little bit special like that because, like, I can remember we played against Northampton in, um, in, like, 2017 or 2018 and they had a second row, a guy called Dave Ribbons. And I remember playing against this guy and I was just thinking, bro, this guy is just an absolute... 
I, I actually hate this guy. I don't even know him, but I hate this bloke. <laughs> to the point where after the game, like I was like, bro, I don't even want to shake your hand. Played him again, against him again, probably about a year later. And I was like, bro, I actually despise this bloke. Like, I really, really hate this Don. And then anyway, uh, Six Nations just been, he gets, or sorry, no, the Autumn Nations Cup just been, he gets invited into camp. And I'm like, oh, bro, here we go. This Are you just telling everyone as well like camp. Yeah, of course. I'm like, bro, this guy is an absolute... <laughs> Um, he comes into camp and promise you, bro, the nicest bloke on planet Like an absolute legend, bro. And like, honestly, there's very few better blokes than him that I've met and, and like off the bat got on with. And that's just what rugby's like. When you're on the pitch, everyone, you can hate everyone. Um, and a, a lot of people do. But then off of it, it's like, it's just so weird. I actually can't put it into, into, <laughs> into words. Properly. Sounds crazy. It's like the mm. same but opposite in athletics. Like everyone thinks Adam's a really nice guy, but when you get to know him, it's just like <laughs> <There> we <laughs> we're go. just out here like, doing these appearances together. I'm like, all right, take a deep breath. Smile for the picture and then <laughs> literally just, don't touch it. Layers. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking to you today until we next record one of these. Like there's nothing. So do you get do you get your own room on tour and stuff, or is it do you have to share? Is it are you at that level now where you get your own rooms or you still are because of covid we do um and i'm very grateful for that because I, I, <laughs> I i'm not a big it's it's great for getting to know everyone but i hate sharing room. really snoring yeah. things like that it's not even just snoring it's like bro if i want to get up and take a pee in the night like i don't really have to want to have to worry about you waking up do you know what i mean like i'd rather just do you know what i mean it's just less stress for everyone um have you ever had any so, any yeah, roommates I'm... any roommates that you just think oh like any bad stories from that <laughs> I've got, I've, I've got a bad I've, story. You haven't got to name names. Uh, no, don't name names. Don't name names. I've got one, but it's explicit and I don't think it's suitable for the Eurosport podcast. Okay. But, um, we're quite lucky, Posy and I now, because we're usually, if, if there is a, if there ever is like a championships, it's usually me and you that share now. I think they just accept it. They're like, right, put these two together. Mm-hmm. They'll, uh, yeah. they, they can deal with each other. It's, it's less stress. Yeah. It's less hassle. For uh, but there's, yeah. there's, been, there's been champs or there's been events that I've been to in the past and I've, I've been put with some like, and I'm not naming any names. And I've, I've, I remember being in a... Whoa, come on, bro. I have been in a race, in a race um, and I shared a room with another British athlete. We were in the room for probably four days we were sharing a, sharing a room for, and I think he showered once. And I, oh, and I don't know what the this, level this is. This isn't me, by the way. This is not positive. This is, not... <laughs> this, is, this is pre-me. This, pre this is like my injury years. And for me, I'm just like, okay. I'm just like, do I say something? Do I like, is it rude if I say, bro, I think you need to shower. Like back straight back from training, jump onto your bed. I'm like, I'm like come on, man. Like just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it was a tough one when you're away. I think you got to firm that one yeah, and just I did. spray it with Febreze. I did. I, I, just, I requested, <laughs> please put me with Posse or give me on my own room now because... I don't like people. Anyone that showers. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's poo. Obviously at Team Champs, it's all right because you know the person you're sharing with. But the loose role, uh, sorry, rule that I was told, I don't know if, if you know this, Adam, if you have won a world title or have like a world medal, you basically get your own room on the circuit, you know, on the Diamond Leagues, whatever. This, this is what I was told. All I right. don't know if you've, maybe you've not had this. I, I, you know, uh, anyway. I mean, it's only a relay um, medal, so I don't know, it's not individual. So. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> You're a toad out, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. So I don't know no, if it, has, what... it holds the same weight, but... <laughs> no, I was, like, 19, and I was in... I can't remember. I was in some just random, like, Eastern European country. It was one of my first ever pro meets, and I was already, like, finding it pretty daunting. And I was in with this American guy, like, massive, massive guy. And there was... Do you remember that show, The Million Pound Drop? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you remember that show? And like, this is nothing on your story, but I'm, I'm lying in bed, like trying to be quiet, like not really knowing the dynamics of this or whatever. And the million pound drops on. And, um, and this guy's going mad. They ask a question, it's like, you know, which time zone is the latest, whatever, and they give the three options. And this guy is just screaming at the TV. He's like, Beijing, oh, oh come on, like going mad. And the woman was like, I can't remember what it was. He was like, Sally and James or something. And he's like, Sally, you need to leave that loser. He doesn't know it. Like, <laughs> honestly, screaming at the, the TV. I'm, I'm not even kidding. And I was literally like, lying on my bed yeah, what an idiot. Like, I had no clue what the answer was either. I was just like, this guy, what a donor. And um, uh, after that, I was just like, right, I need to get myself to like a world medal soon or something. You need to win something I'm quick. not spending my career yeah, doing yeah. this. Honestly, yeah. it was, It's mad though. It was England, England was like that before as well. If you had it was done on like caps. You had to have a certain amount of caps. You'd get these special rooms that are like up downs, which means that it's basically instead of having two beds side by side, you basically got a bedroom on the top floor and one on the bottom floor. Um, this is premium. It's not like this in like, athletics. <laughs> no way. Trust me, it, it's not like that when you've only got flipping twenty caps. I did, bro. It is. <laughs> but rooming, rooming with Adam, the the worst thing I think with us was like when we went to Australia for the Commonwealth oh Games. Oh my god, we we're in the holding camp. I, you play a bit of PlayStation, I think, don't you? But I'm uh, <laughs> a bit mad for it. And uh, I'm, I'm oh. I don't play so much. Like anyway, and you I was just getting ever. woken up at like six a.m. Yeah, I don't play ever. <laughs> well, I played like for a little bit, and then I, I'm pretty sure you just like get off my account. Like absolutely ruining this. Getting my KD. But, yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah. And uh, he's playing Fortnite with people back in the UK. Obviously, like I don't know what time change. Like basically twelve hours difference. And I was just getting woken up at like six a.m. to Adam just again somebody like screaming at the TV with his little headset on, going, Aaron, you can't do that. They're going to see you like going mad. And I'm just saying, like, it gets what like that, bro. It gets what, like that on what, the PlayStation. What games, are you, uh, what games are you playing? Are you on COD? Are you on oh, Fortnite? Bro, or what you... all, I play, all I play is Warzone. Fortnite oh. was too much for me, honestly. When I, when I started getting smoked by a six-year-old who's building a, a, a skyscraper and I'm sat there aiming up the top, no interest. I can't do it anymore. Oh, I love a bit of Warzone. So I'm about to, yeah, That's... it's essential. Oh, it's essential. I love that, yes. Big gamer, life after sport. Like that's that's what I plan to do. I'm just, I plan to finish finish my sport and just sit on the sit on the PlayStation, play a bit of golf, like just chill. Like, oh, oh that is the dream, though. That actually is the dream. Those are my three right. hobbies, right there: PlayStation, golf, rugby. In that order. Boom. Do you know what though? <laughs> the, the maddest thing that I found out when I was doing like your little background check and it was all over Wikipedia that you're studying for an MBA at Bath. Is that that's legit? Right? I don't know why you're blagging like you're uh, all PlayStation and golf, but that's serious. No, I, I re really am. <laughs> it's, it's when an assignment's due probably three weeks before that I start trying to get my stuff in, in order. But that's what you get, mate, when you've got a Nigerian mum. Honestly, nothing's ever good. Oh, enough, yeah. so I, I got what I got. Um, oh, I did a degree at Northumbria, and then she said, Right, what's next? So uh, <laughs> I don't know, professional rugby. What, what, PhD, what is next? Master's PhD, doctorate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully she relaxes after the NBA and I can I can enjoy myself for a little bit. Like, how do you find balance in that? Because that's a proper commitment. I was I couldn't I believe know. it when I saw it. I was like, oh, this is like one of his mates on Wikipedia changing it. <laughs> that's been done before. But I, I don't I don't, don't want to like call. Yeah, I know. Like I've done it. That's, this is how I know. Like, I don't want to call you out. But I was like, no, nah, I don't know if if that was happening. I don't know. Rugby's uh like we said at the start, like it can be taken away from you any minute. So. I want to be able to be in a position to for my education not to let me down like when I want to get a job or something. And also, I'm a bit weird. Like, I hate sitting still. So apart from playing PlayStation, playing golf or training, 
I hate just sitting at home doing nothing. Like I'll just make jobs for me to do and random stuff like that. So I guess it's kind of like a way to to keep myself busy. I don't know whether that's uh, <laughs> yeah. most, like most people like binge watch something. You're like, oh, I'll do an NBA. <laughs> <laughs> you made it sound I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed because <laughs> obviously, I, Adam, you studied as well. I I did a master's after I did um, my undergraduate, and again, like my dad was kind of pushing me. And I just like, I, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it, but I knew 100% if I didn't do it like right then, I would never do yeah. it. And I was yeah. like, it's a little bit different from an NBA. Like it was just one year, like full time. And I was kind of like, for one year, I can just, you know, properly push through. Like 100%. I know once I start, I'll, I'll get it done. But mm. I don't know. For and me, it was a good distraction. You'll be so happy with it. Yeah, for sure. How, how much longer have you got left? A uh, very long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't. I, I probably shouldn't talk like that. Really long. Uh, um, don't like looking ahead. Yeah. Let's just look one day at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I time. like that. I don't say it there. <laughs> do they like? You know, do they know that they're kind of playing second fiddle to to rugby? Like, do you get much leniency? Because like when I did my undergrad, I got quite a bit. When I did my masters, they just didn't care. Oh, and like okay. my master, they just didn't like honestly couldn't care less. And like I'm a bit like you. Yeah, I'm I'm never gonna. Show. I actually really liked like not being an athlete when I was there. It was like a complete like change of frequency for me. Yeah. But occasionally when a deadline was getting close, I was like, okay, I need to go and ask for a bit of help. They just looked at me like I was just such a basically. And we're just like, okay, yeah, good one. Enjoy your running. Like, you know, I, hope, I, hope, I hope that the running and jumping goes well, but um, I'll, I'll be seeing it. Disrespect. Like, completely. <laughs> I guess I guess we should just generally just quickly just touch on maybe the Olympics coming up this summer. Do you have much memories? Just around of... hundred meters. Just around hundred meters. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, this is impossible. A late a late surge at trials. Our trials are in Manchester. I've told so... you my endurance fibers don't allow me. Hundred meters that is the fast, shortest. That fast. Shortest event. It's, it's the sh- like it only gets worse from there. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if I'm already at sixty meters dust. Imagine me at 150. <laughs> yeah. Finished. But, yeah, but the, will you be watching the Olympics? Do you have much memories of, did you go to like London or do you, do you remember watching um, Rio? Like what? No, 100%. I've, I've always been all over the Olympics. I always watch loads of the events, to be fair. I'll end up just flipping watching sailing if I have to. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, obviously everyone's always glued to, to, to the 100 metres and, you know, knowing a few other guys like Posy and yourself, you know, obviously I'll, I'll be following that stuff closely. But in Rio, my brother was actually playing because the Sevens was there. Yeah, the Sevens was there. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that because yeah. I saw him, but I, I didn't know him at the time, so I didn't say it. But I remember seeing him about and, and knowing that he was your brother. Mm-hmm. So obviously I, I paid pretty close attention to that and my parents went out for that one. Um, and with there being sevens again at, at Tokyo, um, I'll definitely watch it for sure along with all the other events. But it's going to be a weird one. Like, I don't know, for you guys especially, I mean, it being delayed a year must be the maddest thing. And now no fans. But in athletics, I'll be honest, like we've had a couple of championships we're a bit used to no fans. So speak for yourself. I, I've oh, always no, raced any, any champs. I've always been in an event with Bolt and whenever Bolt was running, like the event, the, the stadium was always <laughs> packed. So it's, uh, it was always pretty good. It was always not so much for the early hurdles, the early morning hurdles, but... Uh, it's not even like I'm sure like my family don't even come and watch them. They're just like, all right, we'll, we'll turn up like semi-finals and onwards. We'll, uh, we'll make a show. What is hurdles always in the morning? Oh, uh, do you know what they are this time? Uh, but like the, the first rounds, they like at the start of the champs, they normally have just like you know all the heats, and nobody yeah. is like top guys, you know, kind of qualifying like relatively easily. Nothing mad is is happening. I know I've just said that now. I'm, I'm like, asking for bad luck, but usually it's like no, no. it's just not that exciting. And then they have like finals nights, basically. 
and then that's when the atmosphere is good but yeah, yeah. London London 2012 was the only exception to that where like everything was rammed but unfortunately you know I made no bit of an injury Christian, didn't really uh, enjoy that for very Christian long. Taylor had his 100 uh, had his triple jump final 10 a.m. in Rio. No, 9 a.m. Huh? 9 or 10 a.m. Oh, that is awful. In Rio. So he came back and he was eating lunch. And I came, I remember like seeing him in the lunch hall and I was like, oh, are you, you going to compete? He was like, no, I've had my finals this morning already. Like, I won the gold. He, like, it's like, mate, it's like, oh it's like, it's like half 11, 12 o'clock. What'd you be like? Was, You've just woken up. Yeah, he's like, oh, what have like, you been up to? He's like, oh, I just won Olympic gold medal. What yeah. <laughs> Crazy this is the schedule they had um in Rio, but hopefully yo, our Tokyo hopefully will be a lot better. Do, do you know what? Like before I have to be honest, because before we play it too much, this is the first Olympics where all my rounds are in the mornings. But I'm just praying that it's easier for people to watch back at home with the time change, maybe. But that's true. First time ever oh, for me, like finals have always been, you know, finals, semi-finals basically always in the evening, but it's mad, yeah. I hate to break it to you, but I think the fact that it's earlier in Japan means it's worse. Is that here. worse? Of course, because you were like, I think so. Final, weren't you? Yeah. Is this your way of telling yeah. me that you're not going to wake up and watch after giving it a big <laughs> I can't believe that. And you're not going to wake up to support your boy. That's disappointing. Listen, if it's between the hours of two and six, I'm sorry, brother. I'll watch <laughs> you in the semis and the finals. All day. <laughs> I'll watch the highlights. <laughs> wow. You really do, re- do realize who your friends are, don't you? It's not just injury, it's time I change. That. I knew that was coming back to get me. Honestly, honestly, I remember like only about half an hour ago how bitter you were talking talking about it like i don't forget <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, do you know what that's that's 2 a.m no that's, problem that's like the worst time in japan and it's the worst time in the uk as well they just mm-hmm. i don't know they're not out here respecting the hurdles this time around anything else you want to talk about like what what else is news i know that you uh well i say it's not that recent now but you recently become a dad as well for the first time yeah, that was I'm talking. I'm not talking to Adam. That. Don't worry, like Adam's girlfriend's like, what? You know, I'm, I'm talking to you there. Adam November, just started staring real blankly uh, oh, into okay. the camera. Yep. He's like, what have you heard? Yeah, it was nuts, mate. Um, he was obviously he was due in the middle of of the autumn series so like, there was a time where it was real sketchy because obviously it was like a, we were in a COVID bubble so it was very sketchy that you know obviously wasn't going to be there etc cetera, etc cetera. and then uh, like we were saying earlier, the way, the way how things work out and how weird stuff is, I ended up doing my ankle. And next thing you know, um, I was able to be there for him to be born and stuff like that. But <laughs> the worst thing was I was ended. I ended up being on the game ready whilst he was being born. So like the whole time we were we were there from like Monday till Thursday, and I was useless in the whole process. I couldn't really walk around loads. All I was doing was sitting there on my phone. She was obviously in mad pain, and I'm there just game readying my ankle. Yeah. <laughs> you can't talk about pain while your while your missus is giving birth, surely. No, you're right. Were, I can't. Were you there like Adam, like playing the expert? Were you just like, have you tried game readying it? <laughs> I was just holding the gas in there like this. Really? You know, <laughs> you know, that, that was that was occasionally having a bit yourself. Oh well, <laughs> we, we can't talk too much about that one. Oh dear. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, it was nuts, mate. And it changes, like everyone will tell you, it changes your your whole perspective and stuff. But it's like, it's tough, but it's like the best thing ever as well. It's, it's class. Um, oh, congratulations. He's just, he's just about nice gone to sleep during, during this podcast. So it's oh, a yeah. good evening off for oh, me. That's not, that's I'm sure not like everyone else will have done as well. Damn, that's not good for us. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like his new bedtime story. You're just going to start playing this. <laughs> on the positive <laughs> podcast and then... Uh... Oh, wow. no, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. You, it's not even done, and you're out here calling it out. 
<laughs> impossible though. Oh, that's brilliant oh, that's uh, massive congrats though man that's that's fantastic and I appreciate uh, it. yeah brilliant well just to say thank you so much for uh for allowing us to, to chat to you and uh and yeah sharing sharing some of your stories and uh experiences <laughs> it's, it's been a pleasure it's been absolutely brilliant so um yeah for myself thank you so much Nah, all good lads appreciate you guys having me Wow, I love that chat with Anne. Yeah, we covered so much. Um, it was just so interesting to hear as, as obviously we compete in such an individual sport. Hearing about that sort of different pressures there are within that team environment was really interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, I think learning about the dynamics, particularly they play for their clubs, then they come together for the national sides. And then with the Lions tour as well, you know, they then come together for that from, from different countries. So for me, that was absolutely fascinating. And I think Ant obviously um, told us some good stories and wasn't uh, shy about telling us the truth about that. It was so interesting what you were saying about playing through injuries and that pressure to keep performing. Because obviously when we're hurt individually, th- that's it. You can't run. But if you're part of a team, you don't want to sort of let the team down. And that whole environment is it's so different to sort of track and field. And it, it does sound like rugby has actually got a good thing going on in terms of team camaraderie and, and how it brings the whole nation together. But yeah, just so different to what we, we experience in track and field. Sometimes, I guess, you could be serving the needs of the team, even if that's not in your best interest. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was a strange one. But also there's a whole lot of camaraderie to, as you mentioned, to share with that team, you know, through difficult times. Whereas obviously being an athlete can be a little bit more lonely. Yeah, love, love what you said about rugby players putting their body on the line. Like, pretty impressive, isn't it? Obviously quite a big, uh, quite a big cliché. But uh, yeah, you, you realise why uh, Ant is actually considered middle-aged in terms of like rugby, um, but he'll love a bit of that. But yeah, so physically different to, to what we need to be. These guys are absolute units, um, but they need to be quick as well. You need to be able to take a hit, give a hit, but also be light enough to sort of dodge a tackle. And the differences are fascinating, I it's, guess. It's a different dynamic, isn't it? Because we know before every single race, we know exactly what we're going to go through and what our body's going to be put through. And similarly to training as well, whereas in rugby, there's just that unknown you know, there's lots of changes of direction. As you say, you can take a big hit, really multi-directional. You, your body's probably going to come away from it feeling completely different every time. So um, I can imagine managing those injury risks is, is tough. And, um, you know, listening to Ant, I think I just have great respect from that now. Yeah, what he was saying when he was like t- turning negatives into positives, that I think all, all sports people can, can draw on that. And like we've said before, you do all your best learning from those negatives. You learn more about yourself and the people around you. And yeah, it was quite impressive the way he was actually working with a sprints coach. Like he, he invested in himself. He wants to make himself better, not just on the rugby pitch, but, but away from that, which is uh, so good to hear. Like not a lot of sports people do that. And I think it's so underrated. I mean, he spoke with so much experience as well, didn't he? I mean, he came on the scene so young and was kind of thrust into the limelight not just for his club, but also for England. And, you know, I've known him for a number of years and listening to him talk now, you can really hear the experience that he's, you know, he's picked up along the way. And and I think that's probably why we see him performing at such a high level now so consistently, because, you know, he knows how to manage all these difficult situations. And uh, as you say, he's, he's someone that invests in himself and therefore is investing in the team, because if he's away working with a sprints coach, you know, working with the best medical team, He's going to be a better player. And again, yeah. that, that's only going to deliver it for his team. Yeah. You know, he takes that back to the team and, and gives them a performance that they can rely on. So just an absolute top professional, wasn't he? Yeah, top lad, top lad. I really, really hope the Lions get the tour they've been hoping for. And he actually gets a chance to show off that that pace he's got. I'm, I'm still hopeful for a 100 metre debut. We, we can't promise player. anything on no. that one, right? We, we're going to keep working on him. <laughs> um, 
But for now, I think, you know, the fans can just enjoy his performance for the for the Lions. They're really lucky to to have him, obviously, as part of the team and, you know, someone who takes it so seriously. So just fantastic to listen to him. But listen, that's it for this week's Jamelian Pause from Eurosport. Follow us wherever you can get your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of the episodes in the lead up to Tokyo. You can also check out Eurosport.com for all the latest news, views and interviews ahead of the Olympics. And once the games are underway, you can watch every unmissable moment live across Eurosport, the Eurosport app and Discovery+. And for us, we're Tokyo Bound. But we'll catch up with you next week when we'll be chatting to another amazing athlete. Catch you then. Thank you.